Hey, it's episode 25 of the TV Jung podcast, and this is Loki season two. Damn that television! What a bad picture! Don't get upset. My name is Greg. Thanks for checking out the pod. Uh, if you want to check out our socials, we are on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, TV Junk Podcast. You can also uh, shoot us an email, tvjunkpodcast at gmail.com if you've got some uh, recommendations for uh, things for us to watch. Uh, I just found out one of the uh, recommended shows is uh, The Curse, uh, which I had not heard of until I Googled it. Uh, Sean Dwyer, have you heard of The Curse? I am currently watching it. So It is a yeah. comedy I mean, it's it's, the, a, it's a weird show. Like it's a, it's it is comedic. It's kind of got a horror vibe. I don't, but it hasn't really gone there yet in two episodes. So I'm not really sure what to expect. And this is the Nathan for you guy. Yep. Which I only watched a little bit of, but uh, I might have to check that out. Uh, Dax Gordine, have you uh, have you watched Nathan for you or The Curse? No, I have not, my friend. How are you doing? I'm great. Good. Good and, to uh, hear. We are this pleasure. is where this is where we pretend that we we weren't talking already for the last forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we are also pleasantly joined by uh, uh, stand up stand up comedian extraordinaire, Mister Doug Nagy. Doug, how's it going? Good international friends. Except I don't know how to work a computer, so my updates last forty five minutes, which is why everybody was waiting. I apologize <laughs> to also make you wait. That is all right. Uh, have you watched uh, the Curse? Or have you? Uh, are you? Are, is it Nathan Fielder? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a fan of his, Doug? Don't even know who it is offhand. Yeah, me neither. Oh, he's Canadian, I believe, right? Yeah, it's it's good. You should check out Nathan for you. It's uh. So how how would you describe it? He goes uh places and like what and asks people silly questions. I don't know. I, like uh, well, like I said I've only watched an episode or two. Nathan for you is supposed to be that he has a business degree and he's helping people grow their business, but he comes up with these absolutely insane schemes to try and help their business that usually end up sabotaging their business instead. Uh, so it's like unscripted. Uh, you know, he, he is working with real people, uh, but obviously, you know, his side of things, it's usually scripted or planned to some extent. So it's it's pretty funny. Well, if uh, if you guys want to hear us talk about the curse and you want us to watch it, well, uh, shoot us an email and uh, we'll see how many people are into that. Uh, but we're here to talk about uh, Marvel. Uh, it seems to be a recurring theme of a lot of these uh, podcasts, but this is the stuff that I like to watch and uh, my friends like to watch a lot of that stuff too. So that's why we're going to talk about Loki season two. But before we do get into that, um, a trailer was released for... Uh, the next series that uh, we're going to see, uh, it is a spinoff of Hawkeye, and it's the lead character is Echo. Um, a couple interesting things about this Echo show. One, um, it is uh, the first Disney Plus Marvel show that is rated TVMA. Um, and in the trailer, you see a guy gets shot in the head, which is uh, not usual Disney fare. Uh, so this might be uh, uh, something different. Uh, two... Uh, I believe all of the episodes are going to drop at once and it's not going to be a, a weekly release. I think that's what the end of the trailer said. It said all episodes will drop. And then the third, this will be the uh, the first show under the new banner called Marvel Spotlight. And I think they're, they're, they're going to make some shows using this particular banner to try to 
um, separate it from the rest of the MCU, uh, kind of like you don't need to watch everything mm-hmm. to be able to understand what's going on in this series. Um, so it is a spinoff of Hawkeye, and uh, um, it also brings more of the Daredevil Netflix universe uh, into here. We get uh, Vincent D'Onofrio back as Kingpin. We got a brief glimpse of uh, Charlie Cox flying through the air in his Daredevil costume. Um, so let's just... Uh, just get some thoughts and opinions on, on, on the trailer and uh, Dax, let's start with you. Uh, I liked the echo character in the Kate Bishop Hawkeye series. Um, But that's kind of where I feel like she worked as like a piece of that. I don't know about a show with her as the main, I don't know how it's going to hold up, but we'll see. I mean, I'm sure I'll give it a try. I, I don't, I didn't hate it. I, I feel like it's just going to be more of kind of like a mafia kind of thing. I'm wondering how they're going to make a villain a sort of anti-hero, I guess, is what they're going to do with her or something. Or maybe in this, she breaks off from the kingpin. I don't know if there's any, like, I, like you you were saying that she's not really in the comics that much, right? She's like a... She's uh, like a not that I have read, but... Uh... In the last little is, while, yeah. she might be uh, more popular, but uh, no, I, I don't know too much about her from the comics. Because I feel like in this trailer right away, like they gave her like super, like she was a lot strike. She's busting through walls and like, look like she was power slamming, like, you know, like, like superhero type stuff, like that kind of like superhuman strength thing. So I don't know if she had that or if she was just like a, uh, somebody with a, an amputee that had like a, a leg that learned how to fight in the in Hawkeye show. <laughs> I don't know. Like, in Hawkeye, did she have powers? I can't remember that much, but I don't. It seems like they've kind of superhumaned her up a little bit in this one, but I could be wrong. It could be. I the egg could be on my face, Greg. That's okay. Eggs are good. Uh, Sean Dwyer, what do you think of the uh, trailer? Uh, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm a hawk guy, so nice. I'll probably nice. I'll too. probably <laughs> uh, check this out. But I mean, if if it's got good action, that's that's a selling point for me. Like uh, the last few Marvel movies, I feel like haven't been as focused on, or last few Marvel shows haven't been as focused on action. Um, I haven't watched, I've only watched like half of the first season of daredevil. Um, so I kind of still feel like I need to go back and watch that, but uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm interested five episodes. I can do that. Uh, Doug, what about you? It looks like a good action series. Uh, to Dax's point, I, I do hope that the leg does become animated, like an animated sword or scimitar in Dungeons and Dragons, and actually starts doing the fighting. That would be good. Uh, the pro uh, the prosthesis, but it's uh, I, I really like. Uh, oh, what's the guy's name? I forget now. The guy who plays Kingpin and also the guy who plays Daredevil, both are very very good. So, and uh, I think it's it's nice to have like kind of a standalone series. So, see how it is. And uh, I know in uh, I think it was She Hulk having daredevil do the appearance was one of the highlights of the series for me so especially when they boned right i was into that part too i mean let's call a spade a spade here (laughs) yeah i can hear you getting moist (laughs) okay okay (laughs) can hear it daredevil (laughs) oh oh you okay you were referring to dare you i thought you were talking about me no 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 you meant daredevil (laughs) okay gotcha sorry no that's fair. Either way, it's good. Either way, I mean, sure, I'm into it. I took it as him hearing you get moist. So I don't want to. I don't want to ruin our friendship with my secrets. Oh, you're all good. It's all good. <laughs> all right, yeah, but uh, we'll probably do that uh, show when it when it releases. Uh, so look out for a, a future podcast with uh, with Echo. Um, 
uh, moistness guaranteed. So let's talk about uh, Loki season two. Um, I'm assuming all three of you watched the first season of Loki. I know Doug, you and I have talked about it. And uh, Dax, you were on the podcast when we uh, did that one. And and Sean, of course, you you watched season one. I did, yes. Yes, all right. So very familiar with the uh, Tom Hiddleston uh, character. So when we last uh, left uh, Loki, he was uh, at the end of time um, with one of his variants. uh, And uh, wow, her name now escapes me, um, Sylvie. And uh, she had murdered He Who Remains, uh, which was a uh, a variant of of Kang the Conqueror, played by Jonathan Majors. And uh, when uh, Loki got back to his timeline, everything had changed, and uh, and we were kind of left on a cliffhanger. And so season two uh, jumps right into uh, where we left off. Can I interrupt this? I've been dying to interrupt, and I feel like this is a good spot. Please Can I just say that never before have I needed a previously seen on more than in this show. Yeah. And yet still not understood a fucking thing once that had finished. I have never enjoyed a show more than season two of Loki without really understanding what the fuck anything is happening. So I uh, explain to me that that's a conundrum. Like I did enjoy it, but I really spent most of the time going, I don't know why this is happening or who what's happening here. So that's just my general. So I just had to say that at the very beginning of this podcast. Sorry, Greg, please continue. That's okay. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of good to uh, get your general opinion uh, on the series as a whole. Uh, I know you were not a fan of season one of Loki. I remember liking it, but I remember when you asked me on the last one I was on, you said, are you going to come? I said, no. I think I even said on the show, I'm like, no, I'm not doing part two. And then uh, I was sick last week and uh, I was like, what? And you, the message was going around about doing it and somebody had to pull out or something. So I, I thought I could jump in and do it. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I was not a huge fan of number one, but I didn't hate it. I felt like I understood it more as a whole than number two, to be honest. But, but you, you enjoyed the confusion in season two. I didn't, uh, it's hard. I think I just enjoyed the the time travelness of it and like the kind of day after tomorrow vibe um stuff you know oh, what i mean okay. yeah. I, sure. I, I i tend to like that you know in in these movies and stuff like that. anytime somebody tries to tackle that i find it fun but this show in my opinion maybe i'm just stupid but is the epitome of what everyone a lot of people are saying is a problem with the mcu is not knowing like every little piece of cohesive story from every t- timeline of not even this show of the other shows and characters from the shows or the movies and all kind of like i just don't get it anymore i'm like wait a minute who is, is this the loki that died from thanos what, what what am i watching here like i don't remember i don't you don't you but, don't remember no i don't okay so um do you remember in endgame when they, they went to go find the other versions of the stones that was the whole time heist thing that they did yeah oh um, right he, he right yeah okay so uh, uh when they went back to new york uh, there was a scene where uh, Loki grabbed the uh, one of the stone or grabbed the um, tesseract. The, the, the tesseract. tesseract. Thank you. And then uh, and then well, he actually did get away. away. Yes. So you're saying that the time police found him then and said, nope, you can't. Nah, ah, 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 and they were going to kill him. And he just ended up working for the TV. OK, OK. There you okay. go. Okay, now now you're fully caught up. Back at it, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, what were your uh, first? What were your overall thoughts of season two of Loki? Before we get into it, 
So, well, okay. So season one, I mean, I guess both seasons in general, like I feel like Loki is the show on paper. I should love the most from the MCU. You know, it's got time travel. It's just like weird sci-fi shit. Like I'm, I'm into that. And I actually do like Loki and Tom Hiddleston. Like, I think he's, you know, potentially the most interesting villain in the MCU. I, I guess he's maybe not a villain anymore, but you know, he's been through a lot and I, and I like him. But first season, I was like, I liked how it started. And I felt like by the end, it kind of lost me a bit. I thought I had some cool ideas with, you know, the TVA and all the rules and, and what was going on there. And I didn't mind that it ended in a way that led to the multiverse. That was kind of like a cool payoff. But it was starting to lose me a bit. So then this season starts off. And like Dax, I was kind of like, what? Wait a minute. What is even going on? Like, <laughs> I totally forgot. And so... You know, this season, just, I guess the main thing is just, you know, the, so the first season was they're trying to preserve the sacred timeline. And then at the end, they release all the timelines and all the multiverses. And now in this season, there's so many of them that this loom, temporal loom, can't maintain control over all the threads of time. And they're just trying to fix that. I think that's the main plot. But I was, I for the most part, was kind of lost and it actually was not a good thing for me. Like I was not uh, having a hard time getting invested in the season, but I do think by the time they get to the finale, I thought the finale was quite strong. It kind of made me wish it was just like a, like a movie or something instead of six hours or whatever. But, you know, it, it was okay. Probably somewhere in the middle for me in terms of MCU shows. You know, it, it's funny that, uh, like, you know, how you had a lot of trouble following, um, you know, I I couldn't tell you how to uh, change the oil in a car. I uh, I probably couldn't do my own taxes, but I can explain to you what the TVA is. <laughs> I think that's my that's my talent. Nice, uh, Dax. You also mentioned the you referenced the day after tomorrow. I think you mean Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie. That's the one I mean. Thank you for helping the, me there. Yep. Day after tomorrow is the one where oh yeah the, the Jake, Statue Jake, Liberty and Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. walks across the United States <laughs> in about eight hours. Yeah, you're LA right. New York. Shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> wow, my vagina's sweating. To quote Frank, <laughs> can hear um, it. I could hear that all the way from here. Yeah, so Daredevil hears it. <laughs> but it's funny that that's your uh, like your time travel reference because there's a scene that uh, happens later on in the series which is similar to one of the the best scenes of that movie but for me uh i always go back to groundhog day mm -hmm. right yeah there was or, and near the end of course there was a heavy groundhog day probably inspiration oh yeah and uh and that was cool uh, doug overall thoughts on uh on on season two and and can you explain the tva uh, I don't know if I can explain the TVA, but <laughs> what what I do like about the TVA and this series in general is I think it's about the midway point. The third, uh, you have Loki sitting at the desk with uh, Mobius, and they're just talking about the civil service, right? And it's like Loki, the god of mischief, is willingly becoming part of effectively a civil service to maintain maintain the timeline and. Uh, as somebody who my day job is in the civil service, it was very interesting. And it's kind of funny. Uh, overall, I thought it was good. It's funny because I agree with, with, with Dax. A lot of it, you, you don't know what's going on. You need more clarification. 
And I also think to your point that they probably could have cut one episode out. Episode four really seemed to drag. It seemed to be a lot of useless stuff. And then at the end, they had a big payoff, but it seems to me they could have probably just mashed that into the next episode or the one before and kind of cleaned it up a little bit. I thought the uh, the end was uh, great. Some episode two was was my favorite, probably. Uh, but overall, it was good. I thought it picked up where the um, the original left off and set the stage. Uh, the first season I liked, but a lot of the episodes were meh. But the episode Journey into Mystery is probably one mm-hmm. of my favorite episodes of TV of all time. Right. So it's funny because overall, I would say the first season was overall good with this one episode, which is 10 out of 10, one of my favorite uh, pieces of TV ever uh, with Richard E. Grant is uh, the classic Loki. Was that the one with the alligator Loki and all that shit? Yeah. And kid Loki. Yes. Yeah. Uh, What I will say about this show in general and especially this season is the art direction was incredible. All the designs were incredible. The wardrobe was incredible, as good as any other show I've ever seen. They did a, a really good job all around, and I think everybody should be proud with what they pulled off with this show, with this season, uh, given that they were trying to tie up a lot of different ends, right? So so I, I expect uh, through the next you know few phases of, of marvel television shows and movies i think the the tva is going to be around for a while um you know we'll see what they do with the the kang character um jonathan majors uh allegedly is a little problematic and i'm not sure if if they know what they're going to do if they're going to continue on with um you know the you know the the scene at the end of the of the last ant-man movie um kind of showed us all the different variants of Kang and uh Amortis and Ramatat and and like like millions of different Kangs and that kind of seemed to be the direction that Marvel was heading for the next little while they even titled one of the next Avengers movies as the Kang dynasty um so I'm not sure if they're going to continue with it I I think uh um the way this show uh ended I mean I think it's just possible if if they want to just say all right the, the, we're done with Kang for now, then they might be able to just do that. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, Doug, you mentioned that there was one uh, episode in this series that kind of dragged, and you know, that seems to be a, a problem with a lot of the, the Marvel Disney Plus series. Usually it's the finale that fucking sucks. Um, whereas I think this is probably the first season where the first series on uh, Disney Plus where the, the finale was like the best episode, and um, you know, we'll get to episode six later on when we talk about it, but, uh, uh, overall I enjoyed, uh, the series. Um, I thought the first two episodes were good. Uh, three and five were okay. The finale I thought was one of the best episodes of television I've seen in a while. And, uh, yeah, like you, the episode four was kind of meh, but, uh, I think it was a pretty successful, uh, series overall. Yeah. But uh, yeah, getting into the first episode, it, it picked up uh, right where last season left off um, with uh, chaos, with happening, with, uh, you know, uh, he remains being killed and, um, 
uh, General Doc's uh, gathering up all of the TVA soldiers in an effort to go find Sylvie to uh, take care of her for for killing he who remains. And Loki's doing his he starts doing his time slipping where he's kind of jumping in and out uh, and kind of, you know, that visual effect of him kind of like warping all over the place. Uh, and then uh, we get uh, introduced to um, uh, Ouroboros. Uh, who is a new character for season two, uh, played by uh, K. Hui Kwan. Uh, um, we all know him as a short round from Indiana Jones and Temple of the Doom. Uh, but uh, he's grown up. Uh, he's now an Oscar winner. Um, and uh, I think he's uh, a tremendous addition to this cast. Um, and uh, I think a lot of the best parts of the series were revolved around scenes with him and, uh, um, Sean, your thoughts on uh, the character of Ouroboros? Yeah, I liked him. I mean, obviously, it seems like he was cast because of everything everywhere all at once. Similar, you know, kind of themes and things going on in, in both. But um, but he did bring like a nice comedic. Uh, it was a nice comedic addition to the cast. There was a lot of like kind of big concept exposition dump stuff happening from him, but he managed to keep it light. So even though I didn't really understand any of it, and I don't know if you're even supposed to understand half of it, it was still kind of fun to watch. Uh, Dax, um, were you happy to see uh, Kehui Kwan? Yeah. And uh, what's his name from, I'm looking it up right here. What was this? Data from the Goonies. Yeah. Slick shoes, slick shoes. One of my gr- my favorite characters in the Goonies. Um, yeah, I, I I loved him. I thought he was awesome, and it was you can tell by I I didn't recognize his face right away, but the voice. The second you heard the voice, I was like, oh shit, that's the fucking short round. And I'm like, cool, that's cool because I I haven't seen the film that he got the Oscar for. I think I'd heard the buzz about his name, but I I'm again as we all know, all the junkers know. That's not my world, but I had heard that he he's he'd kind of had a resurgence kind of thing. And uh, for me, I just got to see him for the first time in this. And I thought he was like the perfect kind of like goofy, lovable, super smart sidekick, uh, you know, tech genius that would be in the TVA, you know, and down in the basement by himself, wishing for human contact kind of thing or contact kind of thing. Well, I just thought it was great. I, I liked it a lot. I think he was one of the, well, yeah, he's, he's, he's a major major part of, of what made this enjoyable for me. Doug, your, your thoughts on Ouroboros, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you were happy to see uh, Short Round back on the big screen. Yeah, he's a cool character. Uh, like Dax said, it was the the guy in the basement, right? Is uh, Has all the answers, so it was uh, kind of funny where they're going to the dungeons of the TVA, and he's been working there for seemingly an eternity, and uh, the, the stuff they did with the time slipping in him was really great and uh like you said sean he's delivering a lot of just very bland information but it was interesting he sold it uh he's great it was a really good addition to the show and glad they were able to get him so as it's uh ob as we'll refer to him uh he uh he kind of is the one that deduces that uh, the time slipping is uh could be caused by uh, all the branching timelines that are overloading the uh, temporal loom so uh to kind of save them they instruct uh mobius to to go to the timber loom and and create uh put a device that uh obi has created and i think 
Um, I'm pretty sure this is the episode where they do like the Loki is in the the past with Obi, and he's talking to him mm-hmm. about this uh how he has to build this device and then you're jumping back into the present uh and obi's realizing he has the exact thing uh already there because yeah. he had built it in the past and it was kind of a clever way to kind of uh uh it was a pretty interesting scene and i i enjoyed that very much of how they were able to uh, create this uh, temporal aura extractor it's a good I thing will i will say as far you- as the whole movie the way the whole movie genre does time travel and stuff like that. I feel like this had a nice take on that because I don't think I've ever seen real time uh, what the effects of a hundred years have passed do like, cause then it was kind of like that whole, like, Oh yeah, that was you. Oh, here it is. You know what I mean? The, like the, the memory coming up with the realization of that. It was so long ago and Oh, here, this is here for that, that they did a lot. in, in once he started time slipping and I thought that they handled that really well of the whole kind of like going back and placing a little, you know, nugget in the past and then seeing it unfold when he needs it to unfold. I thought, I thought they did that pretty well in the series. I thought that it, it felt quote unquote realistic as, as realistic as like time travel can be. Cause I mean, you've seen some where you're just like some shows or TV or movies where you're like, okay, I don't know about that, but I thought that this, this handled it pretty well. It felt real. As Loki is doing his, uh, his time slipping, he jumps into the future the TVA is being evacuated in the future as the temporal loom is going critical. Um, and, uh, he, uh, opens an elevator and he encounters, uh, Sylvia. This is the first time that we, we see her, uh, in the episode. And then he gets pruned from behind, but we don't see who, who prunes him and he disappears. And then he time steps back to the present and, uh, uh, Mobius, you know, he, gets loki back uh uh from the time stream and they set out to find uh sylvie to find out uh some answers about what what is happening in the future um and then we have a mid-credit scene where sylvie has gone to uh broxton oklahoma in 1982 and goes to mcdonald's because when when you're in broxton oklahoma what else are you going to do but go to Mickey D's because there probably isn't anything else going on at that time in 1982. And that's where uh, episode one uh, ends. Um, I will say that, uh, um, you know, I, I just from this first episode, I thought Sylvie was going to be a bigger part of the season. She was probably one of my favorite parts of season one. Uh, but as we kind of find out that she really doesn't have a lot to do in season two, which was super disappointing. And uh, I'm not sure if they, you know, they, they focused on other characters, but they still felt that they needed her to be in the series. But uh, I was kind of bummed out that she didn't have a lot more to do. Um, John, you're kind of nodding in agreement. And what what were your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember the first season, but like she was kind of a love interest too. Right. Which yeah. I, I thought was kind of interesting. Cause it's like a version of himself. <laughs> they played with that a little bit. So that was kind of fun, but yeah, there's no uh, romantic angle at all in this season, and she is mostly forgotten, uh, which kind of sucks. But I don't know. It's, ba- it's basically more of her, like uh, all she gets really is like that character uh, growth, where like she doesn't end up killing who she like. She she goes, well, I've got to go kill the the the, the other uh, end of men, whatever his name is, the last man or whatever uh, Kang, I guess. Yeah, and then the whole show is basically her trying to do that and Loki stopping her over and over and over again. And then eventually she realizes that she can't and she does it on her own. But yeah, I agree. Like I, I like that. And I agree with Sean. I like the romantic thing in, in the first season. 
And it, it didn't even occur to me that that was not in there, but I can see it now that for sure it was missing. They did spend a lot of time. I felt like too much time almost with the, uh, the, the guy who invented the loom, like the, their version of Kang or the he yeah. who remains. I like, yeah. I liked the jump into the past, the steampunk past. Like I like that, but then I just felt like it kept going and going and going and going. And I was just like, mm, okay, well, I think they tried to shift it a little bit. Like it feels like Loki because he keeps referring to his friends and trying to save his friends. So it's more like, uh, you know, instead of focusing on the romantic thing between him and Sylvie, it's like this overall, like he's got a group of friends that he cares about now. And mm-hmm. that's kind of pushing his change that he's going through, I guess, in the season. Now, I can't um, remember in, sorry, in, in season one, did Loki still feel like a villain or I feel like from jump in this series, it's he's being like a, he's everyone love because everyone loves Tom Hiddleston and yeah, and he does have his kind of change in in th- uh, what is it? I guess Thor two or whatever, but especially in the in the one where he gets his neck broken, he's basically uh, oh no, sorry, yeah. the Ragnarok. He's he's like best friends with Thor, right? So I guess he's pretty much a good guy at that point. So never mind. My point is moot. I thought maybe well, well, no, because this version of Loki didn't go through oh. any of that. Right, right, right. See, that's where I get so confused. See, he, I need you, Greg. I need yeah. you sitting next to me <laughs> when I'm watching this shit. So, yeah, like, Loki was still an evil... Yeah, he hated where, him, yeah. Yeah, whereas he was, uh, you know, didn't care whether people lived or died. You know, he attacked New York and all those people were dying. And and, um, and it was in season one where uh, the, the change where is the, the Loki that we saw from Avengers and in Thor 1 and 2, that changed took place over several movies where he kind of started to realize that, you know, he's being alone sucks and, and maybe there's more, you know, to it, to be closer to Thor and his family and all that. And, and, and in the first season there was, uh, uh, he's kind of left alone in that, uh, interrogation room and he kind of starts going through the files and he watches, uh, like, you know, video from the TVA of, of, of all the stuff that we watched him go through in all of those movies. And that kind of, kind mm. of, um, uh, you know, kind of catapulted him to where Being he is now. Where, yeah. Where he, uh, before he didn't care who lives or dies. And now he's, he's fighting to save lives of, of pretty much everybody in, in all the different timelines. So it's quite the character arc for, mm-hmm. for him through these, uh, 12 episodes of TV. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's where where uh, he is now. Um, I, there were a couple of moments in this series where the next episode started and it felt a little disjointed from the the previous episode. Like like at the at the end of episode one, um, you know, like they're they want to go find Sylvie, and uh, and that's just kind of where they leave it. In the beginning of episode two, Loki, Mobius, and and Hunter B fifteen have taken off to london in 1977 but they didn't really explain why they were there all of a sudden they were just there looking for yeah. uh this other character and i couldn't uh there were and it happened a couple of times in this series where i i thought something was a little bit missing and they didn't really explain what they were doing there like or 10 or 12 no. minutes into the episode so I, w- I was kind of a little little thrown off a couple of times that uh, doug you felt kind of the same yeah, I think they mentioned in passing that they they were tracing a rogue signature. Uh, somebody was stuck in a timeline and they weren't returning. And perhaps they found Sylvie, something like that. But it wasn't really explained very well. 
Um, I did like how episode one ended at the McDonald's. Like that was to me an incredible scene. And uh, then at the start of episode two, even though it wasn't set up well, them in London, great episode. I might have liked this episode more than the finale. I really like, um, I liked when they went back in time and they had the different costumes, the different, um, the uh, the historically uh, accurate uh, settings, the happenings, the goings on. Uh, but what I like the most about this is when Loki starts to finally use his magic. It hasn't been done in the MCU. It wasn't done in the first episode. Finally, he's starting to do Loki style, like Jack Kirby shit, where he's using the shadows to hold somebody down. That was incredible to me, right? And it's finally we're starting to see Loki use his magic get a sense of his power going back to the uh, the first season where classic loki says you have more power than you can imagine you can see now he's starting to realize this and then by the culmination of the second season he uh, realizes it in its totality at the end right so it's uh, to me that was really uh, exciting to see it was fun it was a neat visual effect and to see the different um illusions as well was great because again it was a callback to the master illusionist who clearly now has had an influence on him which was classic loki and uh that probably from both seasons that was still probably my favorite episode so yeah that that shadow scene like though they kind of gave the homage to the uh again like the the, the kirby era yeah uh uh of marvel comics you know with like the the shadows had the headdress that yeah. uh, the Loki wore back then, and it was very, very cool uh, uh, of a scene. But yeah, I mean, I, I, although I was a little confused about what was going on, like I did enjoy that setting. It's like nineteen, it's like late seventies, and um, you know that guy, uh, one of the the, the TVA um, soldiers, is kind of living uh, his life that he had before in his timeline. He's like this famous movie star and he's kind of living it up. And yeah, that whole chase scene through, through seventies. Great foot chase. Really good foot chase. Um, and when they, you know, the, uh, there was the, the gang of street toughs and, uh, yeah, just a, a, a very cool way to, uh, uh, kind of take us into, uh, um, kind of this this character that they're going off to try to find answers to where sylvia is uh dax what were your thoughts about uh, uh the stuff in the in london in the 70s and all that um i again this is a part where i was kind of confused but i guess it was uh, i i liked the whole you know like the the this guy had gone back to a timeline where he was a, a movie theater star or he wanted he became made himself a movie star i'm guessing because he went back i don't know but I thought I thought it was cool. I mean, I will say everything aesthetically about the show. Um, I agree with Doug. Is like I loved it, like a lot. So every time the, the attention to detail, um, even if I wouldn't, if I don't know, say that genre or that timeline specific, I know for a fact you can tell by the attention to detail that I'll use the McDonald's as a reference. I didn't, I can't remember McDonald's in '82 but I can guarantee those are the exact outfits they wore in 82, the exact cups that they had in 82, the exact, you know what I mean? Like you can tell with the attention to detail that, that it's a, they're very perfectly taking these bits of time and uh, they all feel very good. So yeah, no, I liked it a lot. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. Like this, this, the seventies, like a movie gala event was, was fun. Like a cool, it gave me a throwback to um, for some reason in glorious bastards, but I guess it's just other than the fact that they're at a movie premiere. But uh, it was a cool thing. It was neat. I enjoyed it. I don't remember 
the foot chase that much, but uh, I don't remember being like, oh, this is terrible with that character. I found him kind of annoying and he was kind of, he went on for a while, like, like through many episodes or whatever that, but eh, whatever. But uh, so like everybody that works for the TVA has a life somewhere on a, on a timeline. And so he kind of, but they don't remember what it was. And uh, once uh, he right, right, was killed right. and they all realized that, um, you know, they had, you know, lives elsewhere. And I guess he was able to find out where his was and when, and just lived his life as, as a movie star. But technically he, he was, he was deemed that life, that lifeline was deemed not necessary and pruned. That's why he was brought into the TVA. Right. right? Okay. Right. Yes. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, while all this happens, uh, OB is attempting to repair the loom um, so he can uh, safely accommodate all the branching timelines, but he can't uh, access it without help from Miss Minutes, but she is missing, and he also needs the aura of uh, He Who Remains, and uh, so that's kind of a stumbling block for, for what they're doing. So uh, Wolf, who is the uh, the movie star and one of the uh, TBS soldiers, he, he knows what uh general Dox's uh plan is to go after sylvie um and uh he kind of reveals where sylvie is hiding out so they uh the three of them loki mobius and wolf take off to uh oklahoma to find sylvie working at that mcdonald's and boy those those prices of uh of the mcdonald's food in 1982 man <laughs> that was that was some sweet savings uh we can go back to that pricing my god yeah, fifty cent. Well, maybe maybe they were even cheaper. I remember I didn't see the menu. I'm assuming you saw the menu, but I just I remember when I was younger, a hamburger and cheeseburger was like fifty and sixty nine cents. Yeah. So that's that's only going back like thirty five years, right? Like, but uh, I I did like the aesthetic of 1980s McDonald's. A lot oh, of yeah. browns, a lot of oranges, a lot oh, yeah. of yellows. It's, I mean, it's it com- complements the TVA. Uh, <laughs> it does quite nicely. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know what? When you see, sometimes you see something like that, and you're like, why did you ever change it? Like the McDonald's <laughs> now are like brown, brown and gray square blocks. Yeah, everything's all cafe style now. It's so stupid. I I remember I remember bumping into like an old we actually used to well and have an old KFC like with the 1960s Best. like yep they, but they ripped it out it became a weed store but like it was amazing it had all like the chairs from before and the booths and oh man and like that the the wood wood grain because like you had to like walk along the thing to get your like salads out of the front yeah. and oh my god it was so good there's a pizza I shop think, up uh, the wood what was that Doug? place up the street same thing it was an old kfc kfc left they sold it to a pizza shop but the pizza shop still kept all the old tables and stuff nice and i i don't think they'll ever change it i hope they don't yeah that's awesome i might grab a couple and get them bolted in my living room that's amazing good for you i i think uh i think burger king has embraced the retro looks i know like they've changed their logo back Mm -hmm. to what the it was in the 80s and like there's a Burger King, uh, uh, where I worked, uh, Doug, I'm sure you're familiar with it at the, oh, yeah. at the square. Uh, but their uniforms are, you know, they're brown with like the, the green and red, you know, coloring around the collar. Yeah. Like, so that they've, they've really embraced, uh, the retro look there. So, and I, I appreciate so, it. So funny story. I actually Uh-oh. asked them, uh, <laughs> lady I'm dating right now fucking loves Burger King disproportionately. So I asked the, uh, the Burger King ladies. The internet. Square. I go, do you have any extra t-shirts? They're like, why do you want a t-shirt? I said, uh, my lady uh, loves Burger King. I want to hook her up. And uh, they gave me a shirt. Your internet kind of cut out as if like on perfect timing, as if it was like going to be a bad story and you were already getting canceled. 
but then <laughs> but then it came back in and you were okay but then so so kind of so you just got her a shirt or was there more to that joke no it wasn't a joke it's real life oh, okay <laughs> nice got you her- got her a Burger King shirt nice <laughs> got her Burger like King shirt. she's very happy no doubt i love that i love that for you <laughs> that's awesome um uh, i'm assuming uh you're gonna use it for for role play uh, right you know can i take your order type thing <laughs> yeah serve piping hot <laughs> So, uh, not surprisingly, back to uh, uh, the show, uh, uh, <laughs> Sylvie, not not very happy to see uh, uh, Loki and them, and uh, you know, and uh, kind of realizing that uh, um, the what she, what she did kind of messed things up. But uh, um, Wolf is telling them that uh, they've got to get out of here because they're in mortal danger. They're not really sure. Oh. Uh, why uh but so they decide to uh uh the sylvia enchants him to kind of reveal what the plan is and that uh general cox is going to simultaneously destroy all of the the branching timelines with reset charges and kind of get everything back to the sacred timeline which would undo all the work that sylvie did so loki mobius and and sylvie kind of head off and um they kind of confront uh docks and they kind of simultaneously just destroy all the branching timelines with the and kind of basically take the fight and this is kind of the the first really big action sequence that we get uh again you know loki and sylvie both using their magic and uh trying to uh save as many of the timelines as they possibly can uh doug i'm assuming we got more magic that this episode than I think we did in the entire uh, first season. Cause I, I think there was, there was something in, in the TVA where you, you couldn't use magic in the yes. TVA, which yeah. kind of eliminated uh, Loki being able to use it. So we got lots of magic in episode uh, two. And uh, so Cox's plan is kind of mostly succeeded. A lot of uh, the timelines have been destroyed um a lot of her loyalists uh loyalists also escape but they do catch some of them um and then uh we we get we uh are introduced uh reintroduced again to casey uh he is a tva receptionist he was in season one very briefly um where uh i think there was just one little scene at the beginning with uh uh in, in the first season with Casey and uh, Loki with uh, he had and he wanted the Tesseract back and and he said in Casey opens a drawer and the drawer is full of like infinity stones and infinity gems that they're just useless trinkets at the TVA which kind of like put a stamp to the end of the whole infinity saga now we we spent so much time talking about uh, uh, the infinity gems and, and now we're at a point where they're basically useless and uh, and just kind of kept in a drawer so we get we get Casey back in in season two and uh he's been tracking uh ravona renslayer who was the judge from season one and uh, he's been using a t- uh this the temp pad to try to find out where where she is hiding so let, let's talk a little bit about the action scene um with uh you know loki and mobius and and uh sylvie kind of teaming up and, and taking on all the tva soldiers as the, trying to prevent uh the uh the destruction of all the timelines um i, I did feel that uh that scene, like we got to that scene very, very quickly. And I guess, you know, they had the coordinates and they just kind of showed up and kind of took the, the, the fight to them. Um, as much as I, I enjoyed season two, I, I, or episode two, I did find that this episode moved a little quickly as we got from one place to another. Um, 
but uh, but maybe that was just me. I know Doug said you said you really enjoyed this episode. Did, did you find it moved a little too fast, or were you just happy with the uh, with with the action and and the magic and all that? Well, yeah, near the end, it certainly did. Uh, I think the reason I liked this episode mo- so much was the front end of the episode with the magic and with the time travel. I like that. And it was uh, it was a good scene when they went back to the movie premiere, right? Like that part of it. Uh, but I do agree with you with regards to them chopping up the different timelines, trying to ex- like get rid of them all, and then solving the issue. That all did happen very quickly, to be honest. And then uh, it was all for naught anyway, because it seems like it doesn't matter anyway after the fact. So it's uh, there are a few things with the series where it looks like they probably could have trimmed it. And I think one of it was... One aspect they could have trimmed was the judge and her minions going all over the place, right? Because right. I think it's in in episode four they all just get crushed, and who cares? So it's like, well, well, if that's if that's the case, then why why did they have to be in it at all, really? So, uh, Sean, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really remember too much about it. I, I guess this is really the only action in the show, too, right? Like, I, I trying to think of what else would be considered an action scene, but, and then maybe that's why they introduced, you know, these characters and these villains just to have some excuse for action at some point in the show. But uh, I, yeah, I honestly don't remember much about it. Dax. I'm the same as this guy. I, yeah. I feel like most of this show, I did watch it all at once pretty much. So it feels like just one long movie to me. So show breakdown, I don't specifically remember what part was in where. I just remember uh, set pieces that I enjoyed. Um, The fight was one that was cool uh, with the throwing of green magic everywhere and shit like that. Um, But yeah, it did seem like it was over pretty quick. Um, And then it just hopped onto the next thing from what I remember. Like it was like there was this big build up to we have to stop them from blowing up the timelines. Then boom, 10 seconds of fighting. Oh, they got some, didn't get some other ones. Guess we're done. And then it was on to the next challenge, which I think was back to the loom or something. I don't remember. But yeah, if if that's what you mean by it felt like it was fast or whatever, then yes, I agree with that. Because I feel like most of this show was just going from trying to solve one time problem to another time problem to another one and just kind of going on and on and on. So yeah, like they, they kind of took care of the one thing with uh, the, you know, the soldiers destroying all the timelines and then um, kind of eliminated that threat super quick. Um, then Sylvie again, just kind of takes off and heads back to McDonald's at the end of the episode. So we don't really see much of her for a bit. And then uh, now they're off to uh, tracking uh, the judge, judge Renslayer. Um, and then, and that's kind of the end of uh, the episode. They kind of figure out where she is and that's their next task is to, to track her down. And so, uh, Episode three is the one that takes place in 1883. It's the one where we're, we're introduced to Victor Timely, uh, who is another variant uh, of Kang. And uh, uh, this is where we see where, where Miss Minutes and, uh, and Renslayer have been kind of hanging out uh, in Chicago in Becky in 18. Uh, the episode's called 1893, but the episode starts in 1868. And, their their plan is to drop the the TVA handbook uh, to a small child who is uh, a young Victor Timely in order to kind of set him on the path uh, to creating uh, the TVA and all the timelines in in the future. So this is what they're they're setting off to do. Um, 
and uh, we find out that uh, this was actually prearranged by He Who Remains and Renslayer uh, upon his his death. And this is what she was supposed to do if he ever is killed. And so they've kind of set this uh, ahead of time. So we jump forward into 1893. Uh, this is where Chicago's World's Fair um, and uh, Loki and Mobius have shown up here. This is where they've tracked Renslayer and her 10-pad too. And uh, we see uh, Victor Timely presenting his temporal loom prototype uh in 1893 and um like i this is also there was a a scene from here which i think was the um was the post credits scene from the ant-man movie and uh i I think that's uh um that was a scene from this episode is what we we got uh, at the end of that um this this episode i thought was was okay um I did find it a little bit uh, slow. Like, what would you guys say uh, about Jonathan Major's performance as as Victor Timely with the the stuttering and uh, the like? The the sometimes he's kind of meek, but he's also kind of uh, dastardly at the same time. Um, kind of a, a swindler. Um, I wasn't quite sure. I, I couldn't really get a read on that character and the performance. I, I wasn't sure about uh, Sean. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, this specific performance, you know, isn't my favorite of his, but it's interesting. Like, I feel like overall playing Kang in this, you know, across multiple movies, the way he is, is this amazing opportunity because he's like playing so many different characters and different versions. And so far from what we've seen, he's got some pretty, like, pretty good range. Like, he's shown some different versions that are pretty, pretty widely varied, but you know, obviously he's uh, seems not not to be a, a very good good person and uh, is in a bit of trouble right now. So I really don't think he's going to get to see that through and finish that out. So it's a it's a pretty big bummer because I do like his performances. Like, uh, well, I think he's a good actor in general, but like just you know, thinking back to uh, I think Ant Man, you get to see a few different versions. And like, even just in this series, when you suddenly, when he, you see him as he who remains towards the end and he suddenly turns kind of sinister again, it's like, I don't know, it's cool to see that, that, that change. Um, but yeah, I, I really want, I'm curious what they're going to do with that. Cause I can't see them sticking with this guy at this point. They got to stick with this guy. I fucking love this performance. I love uh, that he was able to be two different characters and inhabit them. Uh, if they don't choose to go with him, I don't understand how they're even going to continue on with their plan uh, because he is a central part of the plan and he should be like Dax, the, the performance of Jonathan majors in the role of Victor timely thoughts on the performance, uh, the performance. <laughs> Woo. Um, yeah, no, he, I mean, I didn't have, I just literally looked up what, instead of asking you guys again, I thought I'd put on my big boy pants and use the big square thing in front of me and, and search the issue uh, with the actor. Um, but uh, as far as their performance, I mean, I thought he was good. I, I get exactly what you're saying about Sean said about uh, being able to do multiple and it, uh, you would assume it's a very much um, uh, actor's dream to be able to play multiple versions of oneself. I mean, you get to kind of explore all that you will, you know what I mean? And, and I can imagine that is like a, a dream for an actor. So yeah, um, I thought it was, I mean, I didn't mind the Plumlee. He did seem like the, 
I thought he played the kind of, like you said, the meek, but super smart, you know, uh, twitchy kind of, Oh, what's a guy really well. I thought it was, I thought it was a good performance. I did also on my, uh, what Doug said, what are they going to fucking do? Uh, it says, I just real briefly, it said that they're thinking of swapping Dr. Doom for Kang and just going that route with the villain as opposed to Kang. But I don't know. That's just something I got a little bite that I read on the line. Yeah. I I read that too. But I mean, I guess the other thing is like, why couldn't they just recast him? Because again, it's like, there's all these different variations. Like they could do that. I I don't know if they would, but it's possible. I mean, they, they have uh, recasted before, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Edward Norton is no longer the incredible Hulk. And, uh, um, Who's uh, Terrence Howard? Terrence Howard. Well, that would be they could cast Terrence Howard as the new (laughs) bring him back. Hey, you know it's it's an option. Uh, So we so we get Victor Timely here, and like so he's he is a genius, but he's a bit of a shyster. And then uh, we get uh, another uh, chase scene, but uh, it's not just one person. It's not just two. There, there are four different groups of people who are chasing after Victor, Victor Timely in this chase scene. We've got Loki and and Mobius who want uh, to get him to bring him back to the TVA to get his aura to fix the temporal loom. We've got Renslayer and Miss Minutes who want to take him uh, all the way to uh, the end of time and have him replace. Uh, take over again as a he who remains uh sylvie shows up again and now she wants to to kill him to prevent his rise to power and then we get this weird little side plot of this robber baron and his cronies uh who are after him they want to get revenge on victor timely because they, they he sold them some sort of fake invention scam i think it had something to do with pants i can't remember uh, but that was really strange as well and so uh, timely ends up going with uh uh Renslayer um and then betrays her immediately and then uh, goes back to his laboratory in Wisconsin um uh Miss Minutes gets super horny and then he shuts her off basically as, as she's trying to profess uh, her love to him and then everybody shows up uh, at the laboratory Renslayer Loki Mobius Sylvie uh, uh, another battle happens and Sylvie is about to kill Victor Timely, uh, but uh, he's able to convince her that he's not who she thinks he is and lets him go. And so Loki uh, and Mobius uh, take him back to the TVA. Um, uh, they send Renslayer uh, 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 to the Citadel at the end of time with Miss Minutes to the dead body of, of He Who Remains. Um and that's kind of where we're 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 left off, uh, and we get uh, Miss Minutes on a little cliffhanger saying that she's got a secret to tell Renslayer. Um, so th- there's a lot happening in this episode, but not a lot actually happens. It's just they're in, in two locations. Um, there's a lot of chase scenes. There's a lot of fighting. Uh, but this was a, a big departure for me from the first two episodes, which, um, you know, the first two episodes had a lot of like, uh, like the stuff at the TVA was almost like a, like an office place comedy 
television show. Uh, and then uh, we got some cool time travel stuff happening in the first two episodes. And then this episode was a little, um, this was the back to the future part three, uh, where it was they're in the old West, you know, and it's not as cool as the first two episodes, but you know, ZZ top is there playing, uh, double back on old timey instruments. Um, but, uh, uh, Dax, what'd you think of episode three? Fuck man. I don't remember. <laughs> there you go. This That's is what I mean. Be, this is going to be a lot of that happening. Like again, set pieces, everything that you explained. I remember, I remember them going to his, I loved his Wisconsin, uh, uh, shop or his work station. That was fucking cool. I never really understood the whole mistimely, like, like, so I guess he technically wrote this, like created her as the AI. So that's why she's in love with him. I'm guessing that's it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just, again, I, I like to perform. I think what kept me, I'm starting to realize what kept me going with the show and enjoying it for the, the two days that I watched it in, I think it was just the performances. I think I just enjoyed the performances of all the characters overall. I don't think anyone really bothered me. And cause I really don't, other than the set pieces, I don't remember good parts of each specific episode i like I, I think that's like a good point like i think that's what marvel has been good at you know over the years it, pretty much is they are great at casting they bring together you know they bring in actors that give fun performances and that carries no matter what you know the plots are kind of disposable a lot of times but like the, the actors carry it through and now more than ever, they're kind of being asked to carry a lot of stuff that's not the best. So, uh, Doug, what did you think of the episode? I liked it. It was uh, for me. It was all about getting to know Victor Timely, right? And he was a big, a big uh, character for the the remaining episodes. So, getting to know him, setting him apart as different from He Who Remains. Uh, so, I think they spent a lot of time in this episode trying to spell out the differences for us but again it was another opportunity to have uh historical set pieces and everybody else in period garb and uh i liked i liked it the ai is a character uh with miss minutes i i'm not necessarily i don't understand how her visage keeps carrying forward to this time in particular um but i i do like ai as characters and uh, for me, the one movie where they did that very, very well was um, She, where oh, yeah. uh, I love and, that movie. Yeah, and, and I think her, Will's, her, is it her or she? Her, the yeah, her, the one with uh, Joaquin, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I thought I thought you were right, dude. I mean, she, her, I mean, whatever. But I knew what you meant. I knew exactly what you meant. ScarJo, that's what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And I think. Well, moving forward, AI is going to be, we're going to see more AI characters and we're going to have more AI interactions in real life, right? So it's it's going to be interesting to see 20 years from now situations where AI was a character in different movies and shows. And this is one that's going to stand out for sure. And uh, it's interesting that they had to track down Miss Minutes as part of the the plot. So I like that. Um so let's jump into uh, episode four. Um, so the, the the cliffhanger from episode three is revealed that uh, Miss Minutes tells Renslayer that uh, she was the one that actually commanded He Who Remains' his army, uh, and he proposed that uh, they create the TVA and lead it together. Uh, 
And when she agrees, uh, uh, he remains, had missed minutes, go and erase the memories of Renslayer and all of the TVA employees, um, which, again, probably uh, pissed her uh, off quite a bit. So uh, we're, we're back. The temporal loom is is reaching this catastrophic failure. Uh, so they attempt to uh, have uh, Victor Timely and OB uh, uh, use the thought put multiplier to fix it, which is just a, a crazy made up couple of words for uh, a device. Um, then we get a kind of an interesting little time paradox thing where OB says the source of all of his knowledge is from Victor Timely. And Victor yeah. Timely says the source of all of his knowledge is OB. Um, and they kind of awesome. have like a little, yeah, like I, they have a little, uh, uh, chit chat between the two of them, which was kind of funny where they want each other's autographs on their TVA handbooks. Um, so, uh, uh, Renslayer and Miss Minutes, uh, they uh, use the tempad and they end up back at the TVA and they want to take over and stop everything that's happening. She says, you know, I've been gone for hardly any time at all. And already the TVA is and the temporal loom is exploding. Uh, so she finds the, all the detained soldiers that uh, Loki and Mobius had captured the ones that were uh, uh, destroying all the timelines, uh, but they don't want to help Renslayer either. So they are, crushed to death in a pretty grotesque uh scene you you don't uh see it happen but you hear it happen and it sounds super gross um and then so they kidnap victor timely ob is able to deactivate miss minutes by rebooting her and he shuts off uh the uh like the the device that keeps people from using magic in the TVA. Uh, and that's how Loki and Sylvie are able to rescue Victor Timely. And uh, during the rescue, uh, they actually encounter uh, Loki from the first episode. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, and, and it turns out that this Loki gets pruned by the other Loki that is the one from this episode. So a little bit of, um, you know... Um, confusing time jumping around uh and so we get back to that scene of sylvie being in the elevator that we saw uh, in the first episode and so they get uh uh victor timely all suited up to take his little device uh out to the temporal loom to fix it and as soon as he gets outside uh the the temporal radiation turns him into spaghetti um which i thought was a pretty cool effect right? yeah the effect was amazing yeah I didn't see that coming either. Like they spent no. the whole third episode building him up. I fell in love with the character. Uh, him and OB bro it out. Then he turns into spaghetti in space. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then, yeah, then the temporal loom explodes and the blast wave uh, yeah. kind of takes out everybody. And that's where we're left off with episode four. Um, I will say, I thought this cliffhanger was was very cool. Uh, mm -hmm. um surprising uh that everybody dies uh, obviously we know that not everybody is dead and and we'll they'll figure it out in the next episode but uh it was a very cool surprising cliffhanger like that victor timely getting spaghettied was was a shock i was and uh uh nothing that at all that i expected to happen um but uh uh there were some good parts in this episode uh i i, I definitely like this more than episode three uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's still, um, it's, it's a lot of time stuff and, and a lot of, you know, um, 
you really have to pay attention to what's going on uh, in this stuff too, to keep track of where everybody is, what time period each person is in. And, you know, we have the two Lokis. If we learned anything from Back to the Future, you know, if there's two Martin McFlies, that's a that's a terrible thing to happen. <laughs> so they can't. But uh, Loki was able to prune the other Loki, um, which was which was actually kind of a cool reveal uh, from the first episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, so, Sean, what did you think of uh, of this episode? Were you able to keep track of all the time stuff that was happening? I was not. I mean, everything you just said <laughs> still did not make a lot of sense to me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I agree that it. That I like the cliffhanger. Really like the sp- spaghettification, whatever it is. Like I think that's like a real thing, right? Like if you fall into a black hole, that's what is theorized will happen to you. Something like that. It's one of the theories. Yes. Um. So I really like that, and um. Yeah, I mean, it, like almost every Marvel show, the middle section just kind of drags a bit. And, you know, towards the end of this ep- episode, it ends strong and kind of pushes towards the final two. But three and four overall were not the best. Doug? Yeah, it's funny because I thought like a lot of the first half of the show was filler. But um, with Victor Timely and OB, when they were blowing it out, I loved that. I loved the stuff that tied together the first episode and the end of the fourth episode with the time. Uh, the time travel stuff, Loki pruning Loki. Uh, and then the end was incredible. Like I was legitimately surprised at the end with spaghetti. And I was, this is, I watched four episodes in one sitting and that was a really good place to stop and then finish off the rest of the season. Um, and, and Doug, do you, do you remember any of this that uh, happening as I'm retelling it or uh, sorry, Dax? Yeah. Uh, that no dog clearly knows i yeah. <laughs> i'm along the sean camp but i feel like uh i i was okay with that like i i realized that it was loki pruning loki and going oh okay i get that because he was told he had to prune himself from the timeline or somebody but he had to be pruned from the timeline and don't ask questions that kind of thing which i thought well, i'm like oh okay that's cool that he did that at that moment um but i think that my favorite part for sure was that you guys touched on was the the climax the the uh, the buildup of timely we've got him we're gonna have a chance to do this now go through it get there do it fast da, 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 da. and what i liked about it is how they set it up with was the speed at which they killed him it, it made it like shocking right mm-hmm. none of us would have been shocked if he made it to the very edge and then died slowly right but it was because it was the door opens boom dead and everyone <laughs> was just like everyone was just like whoa you know what I mean? And I think that's why they nailed it. That was that was good film, TV making, whatever, yeah. because it was like they'd already done an episode before, two episodes before, where uh, Mobius was trying to get out there for 20 minutes of the fucking show and putting the thing in and it's like <laughs> melting his suit and all this kind of right. And we expect the same thing to happen here. And then it didn't. And it, I think that it set up the ending perfectly of the, the gravity of the whole situation. And I, I agree that that was just... Uh, a very good and then of course i think we get a time slip of of loki at that point right where he's like now he has to go and start to figure out how to not make this ending happen and that's right. where yeah. for me this is where the series i got into my enjoyable like into where i'm really enjoying the bulk of the, the episodes because it was all that from going here forward so man those spacesuits look so sweet 
They did look good, but it was my one problem. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that if I went back and critiqued it, I'd be like, okay, this doesn't feel realistic or whatever. But in this world that they've created, the TVA and all this, like the magic and all that, and all that kind of stuff, that that suit does not look like it should hold up to you know, and like the speed at which it's degrading. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like slowly, like it's it looks like a piece of leather. Like it looks like a a spacesuit from fucking that you know that they walked on the moon in the fifties. You know what I mean? Like it, it. yeah anyways but again i get it it's tv tv license so uh episode five we see that loki has uh survived the explosion but everybody else has vanished and just as the tva headquarters itself is spaghettifying uh loki time slips uh and uh he ends up going to different uh timelines where he sees all of his friends back in their original lives uh like mobius is is uh i believe he sells rvs for his jet job skis. jet, oh, skis. jet, skis. jet right. skis yeah jet skis right um uh b15 is a doctor uh uh casey is in fucking alcatraz he's, yeah, he's, he's a criminal prisoner. yeah and uh and obi uh i believe is a a, a doctor turned science fiction writer failed science fiction writer um and so this episode basically just has loki going from place to place trying to convince uh each of them about what's going on and uh which i can imagine would be a heck of a test uh but uh it kind of needs to get them all into the same place and get sylvie there and uh, and hopefully that will be able to uh kind of stop his his time slipping but uh uh sylvie doesn't want to help him uh move forward um until he kind of reveals what his true motivation is and and finally loki just says that he wants his friends back and he's he just he doesn't want to be alone anymore and it's the progression of his character from being you know a god who wants people to he want he just wants to you know command uh, and be everyone's king and uh to now he just he just wants his buddies back and he just wants them to be okay and he wants them to live together and and be in the tva um there's some there's some pretty funny stuff of uh of what these people do in their their lives like you know listening to mobius uh talk so much about jet skis and trying to trying to sell the jet skis to to loki and to which was pretty funny um um seeing frank or not frank well frank is the the guy's real name but casey uh and the other prisoners uh you know dig their way and escape uh alcatraz um seeing ob uh like bring his own books to leave them in the library uh, or the the bookshop or whatever uh was kind of funny and their interactions with each other as uh, they've kind of been gathered together by by loki was pretty cool um when uh, sylvia agrees to help uh uh the workshop begins to spaghettify in this particular timeline is starting to disappear as well um mobius again uh, he spaghettifies everybody uh, becomes spaghetti again and uh loki's able to figure out how to control his time slipping uh by focusing on on one person and uh that's how he's able to start his journey and being able to 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 fix everything uh and he decides that he can now 
basically rewrite the story himself by being able to control where and when he time slips. Um, and so uh, he decides to focus on on Obi before the explosion, and that kind of leads us into uh, the finale episode. So episode five for me was uh this was a bit of a slower one for me just because uh uh like i understood that they needed to get back to that place and and get the get all of his friends out from their original timelines and you know it's going to take a lot of convincing to kind of get them on board to uh to do what he needs them uh to do but uh this episode was a little slow uh, for me and again like this it's the, the middle part uh of the marvel series that kind of uh, slows it down like some good stuff in it but but overall for me this was kind of a slower episode uh sean what did you think yeah i agree it was a bit slower i did really like the uh uh mobius selling jet skis thing i mean we haven't really talked too much about that but owen wilson is great in this show i mean he yeah. adds so much to it and uh mobius and loki is kind of like the 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 buddy comedy pair i mean obviously there's lots of other characters involved but uh that kind of pulls you through the show as well um and one thing i wanted to mention so these the last three episodes in the first episode directed by justin benson and aaron moorhead they had done i think some episodes of moon knight as well but they they're they kind of do like sci-fi horror movies like low budget sci-fi horror stuff and I thought this show was actually a really good fit for them, probably better than Moon Knight. Uh, so I think that definitely you can you can feel a bit of their influence here. Uh, Doug, what did you think of this episode? It, it was slower, but I really like to see that everybody on different lives on different timelines. I thought it was neat how he was able to pull them all together. And I liked how you were able to see similarities of their character in both settings, both in their jobs in this episode, their lives in this episode, and how they are in the TVA. And I think it's in episode one where uh, the guy who would end up being Brad, the movie star, was actually reading a magazine about jet skis, and he's talking to uh, Mobius about it, and then it turns out that Mobius actually, in another timeline, sells jet skis. So I thought that was a funny callback. And... uh I, I I did enjoy this one, and it's uh, you get to sit into the characters. And to your point earlier about uh, the love story with the Enchantress in the first season, it would have been nice if they could have just had some sort of branching where you see where Loki goes from loving a person to now he his love has grown to now he wants to he's in love with his friends, like Sylvie included. But now it's it's his love is growing from one person to a group. And Sylvie's love has changed where she loved one person, but now she just wants to grow roots somewhere. And that's where her allegiances lie. And I think if they could have sort of explained that, it would have tied the two seasons together a little bit, because I do agree with you. That is one thing where it seems a little bit unstitched how they were so in love in the first season and not this one. Uh, Dax, what are your thoughts? Uh, Again, this is where it started getting into the, you know, bouncing back and forth a bunch of times to try to explain something to somebody like edge of tomorrow style. I feel like was happening a lot in this episode to try and convince people to go places with him and stuff. Um, uh, I, I agree with Doug uh, that I like the characters and how they were in their, their original timelines um, getting them all together in that again, the set of um, Obi's like 
loft warehouse apartment whatever workshop was awesome like uh, i just uh, like i i equate whether i like it to whether i would love to live there you know what i mean or or like stay in that place and and and, in a lot of this show uh series i did like a lot a lot of the places they seem very cool and 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 well designed and i thought they were neat um and again i like the whole that climax there i believe it was near the end when uh, they spaghettify and even in this perfect timeline where he's finally got them all together and they're about to figure out what to do and then shit hits the fan again and i can't remember he has some kind of talk with sylvie at that point i can't remember what is said but i'm assuming it's some kind of like realization moment that you know she says something like I don't know if she does the whole come find me thing like edge of tomorrow or whatever like that, but whatever happens at the end of that, I remember at the time feeling very kind of like, okay, cool. I can't wait to see how this turns out. Um, now that he's figured out how to control all this, this time power, like how, how is this going to end Greg? How is he going to save the TVA? <laughs> well, uh, episode six, the, uh, the finale, um, uh, I think this is easily the best uh, finale of any of the Marvel series. And uh, I think this finale as a whole might be the best uh, Marvel Disney plus television episode. And it really kind of ties uh, both seasons of, uh, of Loki together. Like this episode is called glorious purpose, which was uh, the name of the episode of episode one in season one. Um, you know, that is a common phrase that uh, Loki has said through all of his appearances in the MCU that uh, he was born for glorious purpose. Um, and so uh, Loki kind of time slips to the moment uh, before the temporal looms explosion. And he, he talks to uh, OB and uh, uh, so we, we see a few Groundhog Day moments here of him trying to move things quicker to try to get Victor Timely out to uh, the temporal loom faster. And uh, each time it, it fails and it's like over and over again and they get a little bit further on each time. You know, a Lo- Loki at one point uh, just goes to OB, says, you know, how long would it take for me to understand everything that you understand about this? And uh, like decades and Obi says no centuries and then like cut to centuries later we get that graphic on screen and uh we get a pretty so does that, that mean that means loki technically sacrificed 200 years to learn all yes. this shit right yeah like that's fucking like i remember thinking that was pretty heavy and i love so, how they did uh, it because he didn't really talk about it he just performed right and it was mm-hmm. just kind of like a nice little nod to that but I think so they he, should have done a full episode yeah. of just him learning <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so we really uh, feel read, it. reading. Yeah, just really feel it. Yeah, there's there's a funny moment where uh, where he gets there and he says, uh, "Ob, this is Victor Timely. Victor Timely, this is Ouroboros. Uh, You know the TVA handbook. You both wrote it. Isn't that amazing?" And he's kind yeah. of like going through uh, just fast, faster, and faster, trying to get to it. But despite all of his uh, had attempts to uh to do this uh, the loom ultimately uh fails to accommodate all the branches because they kind of realize that uh it's never going to be good enough because there's just too many well branches. they exponentially just... grow they exponentially grow right so yes yeah so uh then loki decides to time slip to the moment right before sylvie kills he who remains and has a conversation with him and so he tells loki that essentially the loom is like a fail safe and that uh overloading it will always protect the sacred timeline and will delete all the branches so the 
the the temper loom was designed to stop all those branches anyway so even if sylvie kills or doesn't kill him uh at the end of season one uh the same thing was going to happen anyway that everything was going to get restored to the sacred timeline and we'd be back uh to where it is and he who remains is very confident in this and uh and he's you know he said you know um how many times have you tried to uh fix the loom and loki says well uh why do you think this is the first time we've had this conversation and loki has has done this so many times he's able to essentially outsmart he who remains and he's able to stop time himself and uh he kind of figures out uh um he kind of beats him at his own game which was which was a pretty cool moment and a pretty cool revelation so uh loki replaces victor timely in 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 approaching the loom uh yeah loki actually destroys the loom he kind of realizes that uh this is the way it has to go they're never going to be able to uh hold all of the different timelines together so uh this is where loki again becomes essentially the god that he is and he magically rejuvenates all the dying timelines we get the green color effect that has always been associated with loki and uh he kind of rearranges all the timelines into this like tree like structure and he kind of commits himself to oversee all the branches alone at the end of time sitting on a throne and we kind of get full circle because earlier um you know uh, loki had said to mobius that the last thing that he wants now is to sit on a throne and this is where he's ended up he like he he's gone from wanting to be the person sitting on the throne uh to not wanting any of it just wanting friends to now doing anything he can to protect his friends to now that to be able to protect his friends he now has to sit on the throne at the end of time and kind of control everything and so this is kind of full circle on that uh loki character it's quite the the arc that he kind of goes through from when we first see him in in uh in the first thor movie so uh kind of a very cool wind up for that character and it's the the tba now after loki has done this it it is now tracking all the variants of he who remains across the the growing branches we get uh kind of a shout out to uh ant-man and uh and his uh you know they kind of mentioned that the, there was a kang in on in earth 616 causing some trouble but that seems to have been taken care of mobius has uh decided that it's time for him to uh to retire um uh ob reactivates uh, uh miss minutes and she's now friendly and they write a new tva handbook that's kind of where we're we're left off at the end of the series like uh you know loki's kind of journey has completely uh wrapped up and i thought this was a pretty fantastic way to end the series and kind of put a cap on this character i don't know where we're going to see loki again i imagine tom hiddleston will show up i mean this is probably the end of this loki maybe we'll see tom hiddleston again as a different loki a different variant who knows what uh, marvel has up their sleeve but uh overall uh doug what did you think of the finale episode of season two Finale was great. Uh, shout out to Tom Hiddleston as Loki. He did an incredible job in all the movies, in the TV show. Uh, I, I didn't know who he was before I started seeing him as Loki. 
what an incredible actor. He looks like Loki. He embodied the character. He really did a great job all around. And I, I like the Groundhog Day aspect of this episode and also tying it into Norse mythology when he rejuvenates the timelines, brings them all together into the world tree, Yggdrasil. So North in Norse mythology, I think all of the cosmos and the levels, the different uh, levels of the cosmos uh, are all on the world tree, right? So it kind of ties it in really nicely uh, to Norse mythology, to uh, the Mighty Thor comic books, and uh, to have Loki on the throne now fulfilling his glorious purpose that has always been alluded to uh, was incredible. The only thing I would have liked to see in this episode, and this is just me because I, I really like Richard E. Grant as old Loki, is that one C where he goes back to talk to Mobius one more time at the TVA from, I believe it was uh, season one, episode one, is if he would have went back to talk to Richard E. Grant, who gave him one more pep talk about Gloria's purpose, and then he did it. But it's just because I loved Richard E. Grant, his, uh, his classic Loki, so much. Well, there was a bit of a, of an homage to that episode from season one. Like, the, um, if you remember, as Loki is kind of uh, ascending the the steps, as he's kind of taking control of all the different timelines, um, the what he's wearing kind of changes. And changes at one to the point, horns, yeah, he well he, before he changes into the horns, he's got the crown that Kid Loki is wearing. And I, I did see somewhere that uh, someone took a screenshot of. Uh, there was one stance that uh, Tom Hiddleston was in, and it it mimicked the stance that Richard E. Grant was in, using all of his magic powers in Journey into Mystery. So they kind of did a little homage to that character uh, as well, and kind of brought all the different uh, variants of of Loki kind of into the one. Nice. Uh, so which which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but uh, Dax, well, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I agree. It was very good. I wouldn't say like, I'm not going to disagree with you guys that it's the best episode in the MCU TV stuff. I, I think it was very strong. I thought the ending was, yeah, I don't know if I dropped here, but there may have been some moistness happening around my eyes. Um, I feel like him getting his Thor moment where now he's going to get the throne through righteous purpose. You know what I mean? Like he's fine. Like the whole full circle. I thought they handled the full circle thing. Great. I kind of, I wouldn't say I, I franked it in the sense that I knew it was going to happen. Right. But you knew that I, in my brain, I'm like, he's going to have to do like, he's going to go out there and magically put the loom in and something like, but him like destroying the loom and then taking it over and having to basically sit there and govern for the rest of time as, you know, basically sacrificing himself for everyone in the universe uh, realities of all the universes was actually very, very cool. And, um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. And I love how it trained in, ended on his face kind of thing with him in there smiling and all that kind of stuff. And and the um, uh, the line that he says when he's going in, like his last line that Loki says, uh, I loved it at the time when he said it. It was the, the one about, you know, I'm the guy, I know I, I'm, I now know how to be the God I'm supposed to be or whatever that line is. And for you, for all of us. And then he goes in and does it. And they're all like, what's happening? We get the great stuff. Um I didn't quite understand until now you explaining that he's basically like when he was grabbing all these and turning them all green, like I didn't know what he was really doing. Like, is he selecting certain ones? Like what's he doing? But I guess that was just visual representation of him healing everything and making everything work again. Right. Um, 
and I agree with the Norse mythology that Doug was saying, the the Ildrasil, I believe you said is the actual term for the tree or whatever, but it it's Thor references references it in Thor, the first Thor movie, and obviously it's Norse mythology and some of that. So I thought it was very, very cool. Yeah, no, I really liked how it ended, to be honest. I I I was I was quite happy to see Loki get his full hero moment kind of thing. Sean, thoughts? Yeah, I mean I thought it was a great episode, great end to the show. Um, you know, it was sufficiently epic. Um, kind of made me not really care that I didn't understand a lot of the other stuff that was exactly, going on. Exactly, right? <laughs> didn't matter. Like it it paid off, you know, and paid off the character, obviously. Um, I mean, I was kind of curious what it meant for the future of the MCU. Um, because you know, like you said, Greg, it could just mean the end of Loki, he just has become this God that's in the background controlling the, the timelines and that's it. But it also felt to me like maybe it's setting him up as like, if, if they continue with the Kang thing, like he's kind of like, could be fighting against Kang in some way. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if the, it could mean that he comes back in, you know, a future movie or something, maybe. Now to me, that would, I wouldn't like that so much. I mean, they'd really have to kind of explain that to me because I feel like the whole thing with this, and I come from a, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm sure it's been mentioned that I play world of Warcraft for many, many years. <laughs> and the Lich King is, it's the same kind of thing. Like I recognize the the similarities. Basically it's like, where's the crown of domination to control all of the undead. Right. So there's a guy who sacrifices himself down the road when the King is killed to basically what Loki does so that the, the undead don't run amok among the world sacrifices himself to keep them in check. And basically just has to sit on the throne and govern that for, for eternity. Right. So he's not doing anything else. He's just doing that. It's taking all his energy to just do that. That's the vibe I got when I saw this is that like, he's literally now just becoming the celestial thing. That is what he does. Right. Is just literally make sure all the lines stay alive and work. Um, now, if he all of a sudden becomes like he can all of a sudden take a body of himself and run around and do stuff in the MCU, I, to me, that would kind of diminish what this great ending did. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I mean, I don't necessarily think he's going to be running around with other Avengers, but just that they might need to work with him in some way, or mm-hmm. I don't know. It certainly opens it up that he could make a like have a cameo. No, yeah, I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, like maybe they go see him at the end of time or some shit like that, like that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. One of the thoughts that I've seen is that uh, um, one of the next Avengers movies is called Secret Wars, and uh, the idea is there's a a, a team of uh, Avengers from different points in time and different you know realities. I think are kind of come together uh, to go on a special uh, mission, and uh, I've heard that uh, uh, the TVA recruits. Uh, Deadpool to be the one to go and recruit and um you know like it could be you know uh Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and and you know all these different uh you know characters from all the different movies and I could see a uh, a scenario where they grab uh TVA Loki uh like the one we've been watching over the last two seasons is being a part of it not not the one at the end of time but somewhere before he does that uh, so we get to see Tom Hiddleston again as as Loki. Uh, I could see something like that happen, um, but you know who knows what we're gonna. We'll have to wait and see if we get. Uh, I, I can't imagine that uh, they would not want Tom Hiddleston back yeah. at, at some point. So 
Well, I'm seeing all over the internet. I don't know if you guys are too. I'm assuming you would have to be, but seeing a lot of rumblings about Tony Stark and being resurrected and all this kind of stuff. And I'm trying yeah. to avoid it until I know if it's real or, you know what I mean? But yeah. So I, I, I feel like with the way they're setting this up, like everyone's fair game. Like they can just, they sure. could go back and get, they could get widow again. They could go do anything. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they could do it. Like whatever they want to do, which kind of makes me sad because it kind of, I feel like, the real payoff of those that final the end game and stuff like that was the absolute sacrifice that black widow had to make and um that tony stark made right like it was like the the one you can't fix and it actually had depth like you know um so if they can just go back and repair that i'm sure they won't they'll probably just find a variant version right like the variant gamora sure. and all that kind of shit right but i don't know it just doesn't hit the same i feel like you know i feel like it's kind of cheapens it in my opinion but I mean, yeah, I would com- agree with that. It's a comic movie. Like, what what really does it fucking matter? But I feel like for no. what they've established, it kind of cheapens it to be able to go back and erase that. You know what I mean? So that uh, that is uh, Loki season two. I mean, everybody except Loki kind of gets their happy ending. You know, Sylvie works with the TVA, and um, you know, Victor Tomley doesn't get the the handbook. Uh, uh, we didn't mention that Renslayer uh, awakens in, in the void. Uh, uh, where everybody goes after they've been proved, uh, in, been pruned, and and uh, she kind of encounters Alioth, which was the that demony type thing that uh, we saw in in season one, and um, so that's kind of where everybody is left off, and they kind of wrapped up all the storylines. Uh, I thought fairly well, uh, Sean. Overall, season two, uh, what's your rating out of five? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, like. I think back on it and there's a lot of stuff that I liked, but I, I really was struggling to get through some of it. Uh, it's probably like a three for me. Uh, Dax? I'm along the same lines as Sean because like overall, when I think of it, it like I enjoyed it, but I just, again, it goes back to my first comment in the, sh- the show is that I don't really understand why I liked it. I just did. Um, and uh, the character performance is being so strong and whatnot. And that ending was good as a Loki wrap up. I'll all 3.5 and I'll give it a bit higher than Sean. Uh, Doug, what about you? Overall, I, I liked it. Uh, some episodes I thought dragged, but overall as a package, I think it was good. I'll probably give it a four out of five. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I just think they, they packaged it very well. The look at it was awesome and all the performances were, were really, really good. Right. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think I'll give it a four as well um a, a a ton of uh strong performances uh um beginning of the show was great um the end of the show i thought was fantastic and then overall I, I enjoyed uh the journey that it took me on uh, all right so let's get into our uh superlatives uh for the show we'll start with our uh our, our top five uh moments um i'll go first with the top five um uh, number five would be uh, the moment where we see Loki outsmart he who remains. Number four, the scene with uh, uh, Loki time slipping in between the past and the future with different versions of Obi uh, telling them how to build uh, the device that they need. Um, number three, uh, I will go with the the shock of uh, Victor Timely becoming spaghetti. And uh, also like the whole spaghetti effect that we saw multiple times. I thought was super cool. Uh, number two, that final shot of Loki on the throne 
Um, and then uh, number one, the uh, the 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 Groundhog Day uh, scene in in episode six. Uh, that would be my top five. Uh, oh, the one thing I did want to mention, I thought the score uh, in the show was fantastic. Uh, specifically in, in the last episode, I thought the music was really tremendous, and uh, it really helped with his uh, ascension onto the throne. I thought uh, it, it made that scene uh, just a little bit more uh, epic. Um, Sean, top five. All right, number five, Owen Wilson as Mobius. Uh, number four, I'm just going to say time travel stuff. Like, you know, it reuses lots of time travel stuff we've seen before, but I feel like they have different takes on it, and there's some clever uses of of time travel. So, uh, yeah, number four. Number three, the overall design aesthetic of the TVA. Just really like the look of it, and... um Every time I see that, I'm just like, I should love this show. How, why don't I love this show? <laughs> um, number two, I'm just going to say Loki in general. Uh, just a great character that's gone through like a lot of changes throughout the MCU and uh, and has just been a lot of fun. And number one, one word, spaghettification. I like it. Nice. Uh, Dax. Okay, I'm going to change based on Sean's there. I've actually been writing this throughout the show. Um, oh, boy. Do you know how upset Frank would be right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> like, is Frank here? Is Frank no, here? Yeah, he exactly. would be livid. Yeah, well, guess what? <laughs> Frank Frank knows what he can do with that one. Um, I will... Actually, I'll just add that in because it's a nice little hook point up to the top there. Okay. Um, okay, so I'll put my fifth uh, would be Loki overall. Yeah, I agree with uh, Dwyer is very correct. I think as overall through the entire time, the MCU, great character. I like how it whapped up in this one. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, good whapped up. Uh, It was it was very well done. Uh, Four would be the final line. And I actually searched it right here. And it only became that because after I saw like probably a week ago, he was on a uh, one of his interviews post show. I think it says happy, sad, confused podcast or something like that. Uh, shared why he came up with that line. And that's actually apparently a um, impromptu line that he he oh. came up. To, he went to the director and said, I want to end with this. What do you think? And it became the final line that he says. And it, the line is, um, I know what I want. I know what kind of God I need to be for you, for all of us, is a, is a take on the line. It's I think it's slightly modded, but the most of it is from the line when he's hanging off the bridge in the beginning of or at the end of Thor 1. He says it to Odin. And uh, so he said that he want he thought it was such a great thing to show the total flip around of like how now he actually means those words in a different way and stuff like that. And I was just like, that's really cool that. And that was his kind of bringing that to end to the character and the director going with it. And I thought nice. that just kind of bumped it up. Uh, part uh, number three would be the key lime pie sequence. Yeah, that's that good. I have never wanted. I can't stand key lime pie. But never has it looked more it looked appealing good. than good. <laughs> when they were eating that fucking pie yeah. in that room with just the pie in the windows. Like it's only they only eat that pie. <laughs> it had a very Matrix vibe. I feel like the TV. It's probably yeah. why Sean and I like the TVA so much. But it has a very Matrix vibe. Very coder. Very simplistic. Very you know. But that room where they just sit and eat pie and chill and talk was fucking great. I loved it. Um, I did enjoy uh, the callback to that, and when uh, when they're trying to figure it out. Uh, I think it was in episode five, and yeah. Moby said, "Well, let's go get some pie." And Sylvie goes, "No, yells at him, <laughs> yeah. like why yeah. would we do this?" And then she ends up in the pie room later on. Oh, which, does uh, she? Which was 
Yeah, nice. she ends up she gets lost and turn around and ends up in. The oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. what yeah. that is. Because everything is pie. The whole yeah. everything in the wall. Yeah, is everything pie. was pie. There was one. It was. It was just a bunch yeah. of windows of, of key line <laughs> slices of pie. Yeah. It was. It was very cool. Um, uh, the second would be uh, time traveling day after tomorrow vibe stuff that I really liked, like the having to go go back. Uh, edge, edge, oh, edge, edge of tomorrow. tomorrow. See, I wrote it earlier. It's day after tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is really good in it, and um, <laughs> but no, I like all that kind of you know going back to fix things and then not working and then flipping back and, and then you see the just the repetitive groundhog day thing and number one would be the design of the show overall the tva aesthetic i agree with sean is awesome i love the 30s kind of uh like the 30 uh, i'll put miss minutes in here too like how she's an animated like 30 rubber hose fucking character was a, such a cool idea i just really do love the the design of the of the show in general and even when they branch out into different times they nailed it. I mean, I guess they figured they had to nail it because they're doing a time traveling show, but they really did. They they killed it. So I was really happy with the the overall design aesthetic of the show. Doug, your top five. Okay, from the show, I really liked the moment where Ouroboros and Victor Timely swap books and they autograph each other's books. That was a really nice moment. I liked the first disintegration uh, where they had the the spaghetti that caught me off guard. It was great. And uh, like you guys have mentioned, the spaghetti effect was incredible. Uh, I liked when they went back to the movie premiere and they first apprehend Brad. Uh, that was a very good scene from that same episode. I really like when Loki used his shadow magic and the shadow magics captured him and they took him away and the use of magic in general. Uh, and my favorite very short scene uh in, in the show is when Sylvie goes back to you see her at McDonald's in the first episode and they're like what would you like to order she's like I want it all and then it ends and that was a great scene and uh, we didn't really get to see much of her as a character after that uh, which as we've all mentioned is strange uh, but to me that kind of set the tone for what she wanted and that's just to live a life not on the run anymore. And even if it's working at McDonald's, that's okay. I just want a regular life. I want a place where I can grow roots. It doesn't matter where. So, And uh, at those McDonald's prices, she can have everything. <laughs> yeah, she can. She can try it all. <laughs> Apple pie, everything. Uh, all right, let's go into our favorite secondary character. I kind of, I'm guessing we we may all pick the same, <laughs> the same one. Yeah. But, uh, but we'll see. Sean, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ouroboros. Um, just, yeah, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I feel like we didn't get to know him that well as a character, but he just, you know, was a nice little icing on the on the cake. Yeah, same as me. Uh, OB was my favorite secondary character. Dax? OB, baby. Slick shoes. Doug? <laughs> Victor Timely. Oh! Nice. Way to fuck that up. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, recasting choice. Sean, do you want to start with this one? Sure, I could do that. Uh, so I'm going to recast Brad. Uh, I, I, I I liked Brad, and I really like the idea of that. Like, you know, just the, the people who work at the TVA who have this previous life or whatever and kind of just wanting to get back to that. Or I, I never really got the the full sense of 
was he always like a movie star or did he manipulate it so that he became a movie star? I kind of like that idea better. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what I thought. I thought he manipulated it. So yeah. did I, but didn't Greg say that that's just what he was in that timeline and that's why they pruned him. Cause he wasn't supposed to be that. That's, that's how I interpreted it. It's, that makes more sense, but either way. Yeah. So and I, I did like him and I, the actor was okay. Uh, Raphael Casale, I think is the actor's name. But uh, for some reason, he reminded me of someone who I thought would be better. He's already been in the MCU, but I'm going to say Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Okay. I like it. You know what, uh, Sean, as you were mentioning, Brad, my brain went to, well, I didn't, I thought he was kind of like an annoying character and stuff. I'm like, but he reminds me of someone and you know, who he, he's the poor man's, but I just looked him up. Hang on. Where is it? Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. He literally, he, you know, he like, he, he just looks like a, a less attractive version than him, and it's like just slide that guy in there. That would be another yeah, one. But uh, good too. But I, I, I agree with you. It just, I just wanted to add that because it made me think of him. Uh, Doug, who would be uh, your recasting choice? So Hunter B fifteen, one me Masaku. Uh, mm-hmm. never was crazy about scenes where she had a lot of dialogue. So I'd like to swap her out with Vivica A. Fox. Dax? Um, mine is a bit more out there. As you know, I like to do with these uh, there, Greg. Um, uh, and this is based on yet another thing that I just saw recently. I thought, why not have a little fun with this? Okay. It was another interview with uh, Tom Hiddleston. And that, did you know that he originally, aud- he didn't audition for Loki. He auditioned for Thor. And they obviously said, no, you're, but we like you. So maybe you can be the, the skinny evil twin, right? Or evil, evil, evil brother. So I would recast. This is very controversial. Okay. Bring it on. Bring it on. Recast Loki with Chris Hemsworth. Oh. <laughs> and Loki can be Thor and Tom Hiddleston can be Thor. So there you go. We'll have we'll have an we'll have an Aussie uh, surfer boy with long blonde hair being Loki in this series. He would have to like Tom Hiddleston would really have to put on a lot of muscle because I mean Which Chris is, Hemsworth was already a big dude. To yeah, it's probably with. probably part of why they said no. I mean, I'm sure his yeah. acting chops would have been just fine for Thor, but it, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't really look the part, does he? Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure this movie has been. Uh, shelved and and canceled but uh originally netflix uh was going to do a a hulk hogan biopic and chris hemsworth was was cast in the role of of terry bolea really hulk hogan and Hmm. uh i thought that would have been tremendous um it's it's a shame that it uh, his american accent's pretty good i saw a i don't know if it was he did a movie recently i think i was just flipping through netflix and i watched the preview bit of it and it's him and um the guy who, was, who has the mustache and Top Gun that everyone's in love with now. Uh, the guy who was uh, the, in the drumming movie. Glenn Powell? Oh, no. You're, uh, you're I'm talking about Goose's son in, in, in uh, Top Gun. Right. Yeah. Why can't I think of his name? Anyways, Chris Hemsworth is with him in a movie that was a Netflix film. And Chris Hemsworth's American accent was actually pretty fucking good. Like, it was impressive considering how thick his, his accent is um because i've only ever heard him do like english as thor or australian right so it was interesting to hear him do this uh american accent it's pretty good well, all he'd really have to do is uh just say let me tell you something brother <laughs> <laughs> well you don't mean gene i could play hulk hogan come on anybody could um all right uh my recasting choice uh uh 
I think they have to, and Doug, I'm sorry, but I think they need to recast Jonathan Majors uh, from his role as Victor Timely or Kang the Conqueror or, or any of the other variants. Um, but they definitely need someone with a, a ton of acting chops who can and live up uh, and do a you know a proper version of all of these roles. And I can't think of anyone better than Big Bang Theory's Jim Parsons. <laughs> Sensing a bit of a uh, all ongoing. Right. You uh, sold me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that is uh, Loki season two. Uh, Dax, your favorite question: Where can people find you? Hey, I didn't realize until after the show was over last week that, or last time I was here that I didn't give my handle. So let's do that. Uh, D underscore underscore G E E uh, is me on Instagram and Twitter, I believe. But you can find me at DaxCordine.com and find all my links to my stuff there. So, uh, Sean, which uh, Comic-Con can people find you at? The Garden City Comic-Con, baby. <laughs> Woo! Come on down. What's that? You got a booth? Yeah, we got a table. Nice. Dwyer Bros. I love it. <laughs> Take some photos. You got to post that all over social. Yeah, I want to. I want to see it. Um, Sean, what's the next uh, premium podcast you guys are doing on Film Junk? Next, you have premium one picked yet? Has not been decided, as far as I know. It's a good question, though. Is it? Uh, can I throw out Hulk Hogan movies? Sure. <laughs> I mean, you got Santa with muscles. You got No Holds Barred. You got Mister Nanny. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty good right there. Rocky three. Three ninjas. Uh <laughs> three ninjas. Whatever one it was. <laughs> uh that was when Doug, we went to the park, right? The park? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, where, where can people find you doing some stand-up? Uh up at Levity most often. Uh so if you want to check out on Instagram, the Doug Nagy show uh is my handle there. Uh Facebook is Doug Nagy. Uh just send me an invite. And uh, I list the shows there, but it's uh, Greg came out not too long ago. It was awesome to have you there. Manolis is on the show. Uh, if you're in and around the Hamilton area, Levity Comedy Club is an awesome place. And uh, I'm there most Wednesdays and some weekends. So check it out. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, your set very, very much. I didn't know what to expect. And uh, uh, my girlfriend and I uh, had, a, had a blast at that, uh, at that comedy show. A lot of good stand-ups. It was, it was a really good time. Yeah, Hamilton's um, a good place. Uh, all right. So I don't know what uh, is going to be the next episode. Uh, we'll see if we have some suggestions. Uh, send us an email, tvjunkpodcast.gmail.com or uh, uh, hit me up on, on the Twitter, tvjunkpodcast, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick another show and uh, we'll, we'll be back for episode 26. Thanks for listening. You can watch Mr. Rogers. You can watch Three Company. And you can turn on fame or the newlywed game or the Adams Family. Say, you can watch Barney Miller, and you can watch your MTV, and you can watch till your eyes fall out of your head, that'll be okay with me, and you can watch...